Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's August 5, 2013, and this is episode 382. Today I discuss the topic of influence and affinity with regards to who influences me, who I feel an affinity with, and how I feel these things fit into our photography. This is in response to a suggestion from longtime listener Morton Goldberg, so thanks very much for this, Morton. First, let me read out Morton's email so that you can see where I'm coming from with this. I recall when you were interviewed on Photofocus, you said, concerning other photographers that might have influenced you, I'm not conscious of having been influenced by anyone as such, but I look at a lot of photography. Would you consider doing a podcast discussing the photographers whose work you look at regularly these days? I would like to know who these people are because I think I would have an affinity for their work as I do for yours and so would enjoy looking at it too. For example, this request was prompted by looking at Michael Kenner's work. I see a fairly strong affinity between his work and yours and so... I'm curious to know if he's one of the photographers whose work you look at. Well, thanks very much for the mail and suggestion, as well as your kind words about my work. Michael Kenner is indeed one of the photographers whose work I follow, and I'm honoured and humbled that you think that there's an affinity between mine and his work. Morton presented a firm distinction between the word influence and affinity, which I'd like to explore a little first. In our mail communication following Morton's initial suggestion, I mentioned that I would never try to imitate Kenner's work, but having looked at so much of it, there's no doubt that I've been influenced by his work. I'm a firm believer that As visually creative people, we draw on a database, a mental database of images as we shoot. These are often images that we've seen in the past and find pleasing, which in some cases may well be the affinity that Morton raises. If something clicks with us, that's an affinity. If our work has a similarity to the work we find pleasing, that's an affinity. We don't necessarily have to have been influenced by the photographer whose work we're viewing. We might be viewing that work for the first time. But if we spend a lot of time looking at work with which we feel an affinity, it will be difficult for it not to influence us in some way. The database that we pull from as we shoot is full of work that we've seen in the past. Sometimes this can lead us in the wrong direction. We've seen something that we find interesting, but we don't necessarily have an affinity with it. And if we then use that visual clue to create our own photograph, more often than not, we don't end up liking that work. It seems like a good idea at the time, but never really works for us. Others might think it's great, which can compound the problem, but it's your art. You have to be happy with what you're creating unless you're working for someone else, of course, and then you sometimes have to make exceptions. But that aside, pleasing yourself should be the most important thing to do to work towards. I think it's fine to be influenced by others' work that we truly feel an affinity with, because that affinity comes from within you. 
As you shoot more, though, you create more of your own images that you find appealing. And we continue to throw these images into our database of reference images too. Over time, the ratio of internal influence starts to outweigh our external influences. And that's when we start to really create our own work and develop our own style. Assuming that you only post work that you personally like online, or however you disseminate your work, people viewing your work might also start to appreciate your style. I remember a number of years ago when people started to say that they could tell a certain image was my work before they even looked to see whose it was. I was over the moon when I first heard this and knew that I'd finally started to create work that other people might also be able to feel an affinity with. Without something of a consistent style, I don't think that can happen. This doesn't mean that you cannot continue to experiment. Quite the opposite. Photography has never been about a goal. It's the journey that enriches us and continues to build our style and hopefully also our character. I have been changed by my experiences over the years, for the better I hope, but I certainly don't want to stop here. Anyway, that's my thinking behind influence and affinity. Now let's look at some of the people whose work I respect and how they've influenced me. I should also note that, of course, you know, Ansel Adams is a given. I don't think anyone can spend much time looking at landscape work without being influenced by Adams, but... You know, because of that, I'm not going to be cheesy and in include him here. Let's start with someone a little closer to home. I spent time with David Dushman here in Japan on the second of my two Winter Wonderland tours in February this year. I've known David for a couple of years now, and he's been a guest on this podcast a number of times. But I know that he needs no introduction. I can't imagine there is anyone listening to this that doesn't already know David. I first heard of David when he released his first book, Within the Frame, published four years ago now, in 2009. Since then, David has released other, other best-selling books such as Vision Mongers and Photographically Speaking, as founder of Craft and Vision, David has also written many ebooks that are equally as informative and inspiring. David's work is beautiful and often thought provoking and always inspiring, but in addition to this, I include David because I feel he's one of the most important thinkers in photography today. David has given photographers a vocabulary, literally, in photographically speaking, but in everything he does. If you follow his blog, and you should, you'll know that he has a wonderful way with words, and what he says ranges from entertaining to totally profound, often in just a few sentences. I think photographers often have a hard time articulating their thoughts about creativity and composition and such, but it gets easier as you read what David has to say about all of this. That's not to say that he's not an incredible photographer, of course. David's work can draw you in in a way that few other photographers are able to do. The respect that he has for his subjects comes across in every frame, and his understanding of composition, light and form, makes his work some of the best of our era, in my opinion. I'm proud to know David personally, and to be able to work with him with Craft and Vision publications and on my tours from time to time. 
Next up is Zach Arias. I'm sure you know Zach's work too, and you probably don't see any similarity in our work. And that's because, apart from the small amount of studio work that I do, there is no similarity. But that doesn't mean that I can't appreciate his work. More so, though, it's his character and work ethic that has influenced me the most. Again, his work is beautiful, and I never get tired of looking at it, but the affinity I feel here is for Zach himself over his work. He has an incredible sense of humour, and he's not afraid to say what he thinks even when others would usually hide behind their political correctness or fear of ridicule. Zach just says it. And he's done the rounds, he's been down, down so far that most people wouldn't be able to get back up again. But he did, and he's making a go of it. Perhaps one of the coolest things about Zach Arias, though, is that he in no way thinks he's made it as such. He's quickly become one of the most well-known photographers of our time, yet... He still thinks that his photography sucks. And this humbleness is so important in our advancement as photographers. Of course, you know, I'm sure he's, he's got to be happy enough with his work to hand it in to his client. But it's so important to be continuously critical of your own work. If you think that everything that you do is perfect and wonderful, then you have nowhere else to go. And as they say, if you aren't moving forwards, you're going backwards because you can be sure as hell that everyone else worth their salt is also pushing forwards, onwards and upwards. I actually met Zach in New York last year at the Luminance conference that Photoshelter put on. We spent some time together on a few of the breaks and Zach came and sat with me for lunch one day. He walked up and in his great accent announced that he was going to sit with his British Japanese friend. I can't do the accent, but he's just, he kept calling me his British Japanese friend, which I, I was honoured, of course. And it was great to get a chance to talk with him. Although, from his perspective, he's just hanging. He, he is every bit as down-to-earth and awesome in person as he is on stage, or his workshops and blogs, etc. Zach's also just released a new book called Photography Q&A, Real questions, real answers, which is, I'm about two thirds of the way through as I type this, and he continues to be as inspirational as ever. If you are running a photography business or have any aspirations to at all, just buy this book. Don't um and ah about it. Just go to Amazon and buy it. I picked up the Kindle version, which I don't necessarily like, but I didn't want to waste time. Uh, the, you know, the time that it takes for this to be delivered. I'll have finished this book before the physical book would have arrived in Tokyo from the US. I also really enjoyed Zach's One Light DVD, a video workshop that is full of examples of how to use relatively simple lighting to amazing effect. If you do any kind of studio or location portraiture, this was an incredible resource, although Zach has now retired it. Both David and Zach's names are firmly imprinted in the history of photography, without doubt, for their contributions to the world of photography. But I believe the next person I wanted to talk about, Michael Kenner, is going to be remembered with similar reverence as Ansel Adams. He's without doubt one of the greatest photographers of our age. If you haven't seen Kenner's work, you should check it out. But if possible, try to get a hold of one of his printed books, 
The photos are classically beautiful and the quality of his books is unrivaled. Michael Kenner has probably had the most influence on my work and Morton was kind enough to say that he senses an affinity between us which really does make me happy but in no way do I try to imitate or emulate Kenner's work. Again though, when you feel an affinity with someone and their work, it's hard to not be affected by it. Kenner has spent a lot of time in Japan and one of my favourite of his books is called Hokkaido. Another is called Japan. Both of these books are getting harder to find and Amazon.com only has reseller links at the moment. I would imagine that they'll be reprinted again at some point, but literally the books themselves are works of art. Hokkaido comes in a hard sleeve with a wooden cover and Japan comes in a silk bound case. This wouldn't mean much of course if they were full of crappy photos, but they aren't. You know, Kenner's work is soft and beautiful and ethereal. He shoots medium format and does a lot of winter work with long exposures, further enhanced by the beautiful tones used in his printing process. Kenner was born in England in 1953 and moved to San Francisco in the 80s. I guess the English roots are part of it, but one of his books called A 20-Year Retrospective features a number of photographs of the Ratcliffe Power Station in Nottingham, England. I grew up in the shadow of the steam that would bellow out of that power station. It sits in the corner of most of my childhood memories. I even remember walking the railroad tracks with a friend up to the entrance of a tunnel that goes under the power station to supply it with coal. We had been darting down the embankment as trains approached and recording the sound of the diesel engines as they hurtled the trains past us. I still remember the huge cooling towers literally towering over us as we decided it was time to head back. This was kind of a stand-by-me afternoon, although we thankfully didn't find any dead bodies. Don't try this at home either, folks. Walking down railroad tracks is a stupid thing to do, unless you're my best friend Jim that was with me that day, because he now works fixing those same tracks every day. Anyway, I know that you probably already know Michael Kenner's work, but if you don't, check it out. I'll be putting links into everyone that I mention here, so if you if you want to go over and just click, then you know, go to the blog at mbp.ac slash 382 for episode 382. I first heard of Sebastião Salgado on the Luminous Landscape video journal. Michael Reitman discussed Salgado's book, Workers, an Archaeology of the Industrial Age, which is a beautiful and touching depiction of manual labour across the globe. The reference was with respect to the photos of the shipbreakers of Bangladesh, which was a source of inspiration for Reichman's own work there. I've also just bought Salgado's latest book, Genesis, which really just has to be seen to be believed. Salgado himself says, In Genesis, my camera allowed nature to speak to me, and it was my privilege to listen. There are few photographers that do both people and nature well, but Salgado is one of them. 
His books are big. Genesis is huge. But the format really suits his powerful, thought-provoking and often sublime work. When I am asked who most influences me photographically, these are the four people that I name. These people have inspired me and affected me, artistic as well as mentally, giving me affirmation that I'm heading in the right direction and sometimes a firm kick in that right direction. There are others that I respect, of course, Joe McNally and Nick Brandt come to mind. And then there are people such as Henki Koenjiro and also my friend Graham Morgan from Australia. They produce amazingly stunning work that I, you know, I can't help but stick into that same mental database. This is really just to name a few though. And I don't think the work necessarily has to come from the top of the industry to inspire or influence us. There are amazing photographs being created every day the world over by people that aren't that well known, but incredible photographers all the same. This is one of the reasons I like to browse 500px when I have some time to just sit in my easy chair for a breather. I don't buy many physical books anymore except for the coffee table books from artists that I think are awesome like Salgado and Kenna. Books on the business and even wordy books on the art of photography now generally come down in Kindle form. I literally hate Kindle books for their layout but they save trees and don't collect dust on my bookshelf once I've read them. I read them on my iPad and I also find myself reading them on the, on the iPhone when I'm sitting on a train for example or when I'm traveling light. I love the whisper sync function where they automatically take me to the page that I was last reading on another device. Hell, some of these books now also they'll sync between a Kindle textbook and the Audible audiobook counterpart. Isn't that cool? Anyway. Before I get too far off track, this is it. These are the sort of people that influence me and with whom I feel an affinity. I don't think it's a bad thing to imitate the work of someone that you respect when you are first starting out. It's part of the process, but that's where it should stay. There are scores of plastic Kenners out there that shoot work as stunning, if not sometimes better than Kenner himself, but he's already done that. A former boss of mine here in Japan, another person for whom I have truckloads of respect and who changed my life in many ways, used to tell the story of Columbus's egg. Someone apparently mocked Columbus saying that finding the Americas was no big deal. He challenged them to stand an egg on its end and when no one could, he tapped the end of the egg on the table, flattening the tip so that it would stand up. It isn't known for sure if this is a true story, but the point is, everything seems easy once you've done it or know how to do it. But Columbus, of course, will remain in the history books as the person that found the Americas. The point in relationship to photography, of course, is however good you get at shooting like Michael Kenner, you're never going to overtake the original master. Use this stuff as a springboard to something else. Create your own style and don't be afraid to let that style change and evolve over time either. 
Nothing has to be set in stone. I want to finish today with a bit of housekeeping. I've finally made the time to set up a credit card merchant account as I know that some people have had problems paying for my prints and photography tours via PayPal. The PayPal option's still there, but over this last couple of weeks I've sorted this out and I've now moved the 2014 Snow Monkeys and Hokkaido Winter Wonderland tour page over to the main website at martinbaileyphotography.com and have now set up that credit card payment system for the bookings and the balance payment. So what I wanted to mention is if you have been interested in joining the 2014 tours but the payment system was getting in the way, as I know it sometimes does, this should remove that pain point for you. We've also added a selection of images that make great fine art prints to a new shop area that is now linked at the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com. This can also be paid for with credit card now without leaving the site and to celebrate getting this implemented I've created a coupon to give you a 30% discount on any print currently available. The coupon, as you might have guessed, is MBP30, MBP30, and this will be active until Saturday, August 17, 2013. I've made this quite short because I'm leaving for my Iceland tour on August 24, and I wanted to give myself time to fulfill any orders that might come in before I leave. Just enter the coupon MBP30 when you check out for that 30% discount. This is only good for print purchases as well and won't work for the tour reservation. So if on the very slim chance that you were trying to pay for both, please process that as two separate payments. Anyway, thanks very much to Morton Goldberg for the suggestion for today's podcast and thanks very much to you for listening. Remember that you can find me on Google Plus and Twitter, etc., and links to everything that I'm up to are at martinbaileyphotography.com, so do drop by and take a look. I'll be back next week with another episode, but in the meantime, you take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye.